hello, and welcome back to the middle of culture. This is episode eight, and I'm one of your hosts, Peter Jones. And I am your other co-host, Brayden Jones, also Jones. Isn't that crazy how we have the same last name? Hopefully nobody's just figuring out at this point that we're brothers and that we're related. Hopefully not. (laughs) So before. And if you are, welcome. And we are siblings. It is true. We are, and we do welcome you. Um, This is a surprise for you, Brayden, but I thought I would go ahead and just announce it here. As of last week, people can go ahead and go to themiddleofculture.com and boom, there we are. There's all our episodes. There's where you can subscribe. And uh, if you haven't already subscribed, just do it. And there you go. You'll get us every two weeks when we release a new episode. So I thought that was kind of exciting. That's very exciting. And we got some fun stuff in the pipeline. It'll be great. Come come do. see us. Also, just for extra fun, if you want to, please go ahead and send an email to feedback at the middle of medicine, excuse me, the middle of culture.com and boom, it'll come to us. Well, it'll probably come to me and then I can share it with Braden, but uh, it will come and uh, we'll be able to get any feedback, suggestions, uh, anything like that. And uh, we can go ahead and use that to uh, going forward, hopefully continue to make this fun and uh, even better than it has been. So. That's when you know you're classy, when you pay your three bucks to Zoho or whatever so that you can get a bespoke vanity email address. <laughs> so I use Hover. That's who I register all of my domains through, and they have a an oh, email sure. forwarding option that's pretty doggone cheap. It's like five bucks a year, and then I can set up an email address, and then oh, it'll just forward it wow. to whatever I want it to forward to. So that's what I ended up doing. So- See, I live in the actual lap of luxury and use Zoho Mail for my email so that I can use BradenJones.com as my address. Uh, and then I, you know, I use that as my actual email service. It's not an email forwarding device. I use Zoho. It's pretty good, actually. I like oh, nice. Yeah, I've been playing. I mean, obviously, I just have my Gmail address that I've used forever, but I do actually pay for a, a email address with Hey, which I like and I use for some things. And then uh, through Hover, I've got a couple other. Um, but, you know, I thought it would be fun to actually have a, a solid uh, email address for the podcast that people can use. And so, again, you know, please feel free to reach out at, again, that's feedback at the middle of culture.com. And uh, we can go ahead and take anybody's suggestions, thoughts, and and go with it from there. So um, tonight, I figured the first quarter of 2022 is over. And so what better thing to talk about than, hey, what interesting music has come out in the first quarter? Now, I think we'll definitely end up doing a final end of year one uh, and really get over, go through our, our top albums of the year. Uh, But for me, there's actually quite a bit of music that came out in the first quarter of 2022 that I enjoyed and that I thought was worth talking about. And not all of this is going to make the end of the year list because there's already just too much stuff on there. Uh, But some fun things to talk about, and we thought we would go ahead and uh, talk about that today since uh, we are entering the second quarter of the year. So, Yeah, I too am very excited. A lot of good stuff came out in the first three months of the year and some real surprises, some things that I was like, really? And then it turned out pretty good, which I'll Excellent. get to. Would you want to start or you want me to go ahead and kick it off? Also some... Go ahead. Sorry. What were you saying? Also some real stinkers, unfortunately. <laughs> um, I will be reporting on three albums that were quite disappointing to me. So. Oh, that's good. I don't know if I have any big disappointments so far this quarter. So I'm looking forward to uh, 
hearing what did not make the cut for you. I got three in there. <laughs> do, well, do you want to start with those or do you want to start with things we liked? Sure. I'll start with these. We'll start with the bad. All right. Take it away. Let's hear the stinkers. Let's do it. Uh, the new Rosalia album came out. It's called Motomami and it is bad. And that is all there is to say about <laughs> that. Um, it's a real shame. Uh, I can't think of what her previous album was called, but it was extremely good. Um, it, I'm thinking of it. El Mal Querer. That's what it's called. El Mal Querer came out in, I want to say 2018, 2019. Very good. Very cool mix of like flamenco with pop and reggaeton and all this sort of stuff. And then Motomami came out and it was very bad. So sorry, Rosalia, you're going in the trash heap. Um, here's one that I think is very interesting because they actually made my best of album list for 2021. Okay. And their new release came out and I found it incredibly underwhelming, which is by the band black country, new road, their new album ants from up there came out and it is not nearly as exciting as their debut album was. It is a lot, um, poppier and less propulsive um and it doesn't have it it, it doesn't feel as chunky uh it just feels a lot looser and kind of limper in its production and i don't like the songwriting nearly as much which is weird because the other one came out like seven or eight months ago so i don't know what the big difference is between what came out last year and what came out this year but i was very unimpressed by it maybe maybe it'll grow on me that happens sometimes you know i remember the one that sticks out the most to me is um when the band foals put out their second album and i just hated it and i wrote a blog post about why i hated it so much and then i think someone from the band commented on the blog and just said listen again and I was like kind of offended, <laughs> but then I did. And I turned out that I ended up really liking that album. It's not as good as their first one, but I ended, it ended up growing on me. So maybe that's what'll happen with black country, new road. Okay. But, uh, so far I'm not really sure. into it. And then lastly is uh, the best of these three by a, a country mile. And it is only on the disappointments list because of how much I've enjoyed her previous albums. And that is Mitski's new album, Laurel hell. Um, it's fine. It's it's even great for not Mitski. It's great if you if the artist put that out as a first effort without having be the cowboy and puberty two right there beforehand, which are two of the best albums of the 2010s. Um, but unfortunately, Mitski put out two of the best albums of the 2010s in Puberty 2 and Be the Cowboy, and Laurel Hell just doesn't have it for me the way that those other two did. It's good, but it's not as good as her previous work, so it definitely doesn't make the the good list of 2022 so far. Okay. So those are my three kind of okay. stinkers. So I was looking through the list of uh, stuff that I've added to my library in 2022, and There are actually a couple that I think I'll mention in that one is a band who I don't know if it's that it's not for me anymore or if something about this most recent album just isn't clicking, Uh, but that would be the band Ashes of Aries. 
So Ashes of Aries, Ashes of Aries, their most recent album, Emperors and Fools. I stumbled across Ashes of Aries back in, I think the early 2010s. And Matt Barlow is the vocalist. So Matt Barlow was, was slash is, uh, in mine. And I think many people's opinions, sort of the classic vocalist for the American heavy metal band, Iced Earth. And, you know, I've, I think I've talked about Iced Earth before. I love a lot of their output with Matt Barlow, but he left the band and, um, Ashes of Aries was a new band that he formed. And it kind of has that sort of, it's sort of American power metal, but not super cheesy, a little bit darker, a little bit heavier. And so I really like that. But this most recent album, you know, I listened to it maybe once and it just, I just kind of bounced off it. It just didn't have enough to pull me back and, and interest me again. So that kind of, again, left me a little cold, didn't love it. The other one that's interesting is the album Halo by the band Amorphous. Uh, angrymetalguy.com is my favorite metal blog. It's the one that I look at daily and, and try and find new music and, and kind of see uh, what are the thoughts on, on some of the things that are coming out. And there's a lot of people there who just absolutely love the band Amorphous. And so every time they come out with a new album, I think all right, this is going to be the time I get into them. I'm going to figure out why so many people on this, uh, on this blog who I, I like a lot of the things they recommend. And I find that certain of the certain writers I have a lot in common with in terms of taste. Okay. They love this band. Let's try again. And you know, it's kind of a, it's folk metal a little bit with some melodic death metal elements and stuff. And it just, and I don't know if it's that the folk metal elements pull me out or what it is, but man, it's another one of those that I can't even make it through the album once. And I just find myself reaching to turn it off or, or switch to something else. So a couple bands, one that I've liked in the past and their most recent didn't do a whole lot for me. And then one that just for reasons I can't necessarily pin down, I cannot get into this band at all, which is unusual because I tend to like a lot of stuff, but I cannot get into Amorphous at all. Huh. Um, would you want to start with one of the ones you liked? Sure. Um, why don't I start with the one that I bet we share? Okay. Which is Cult of Luna's The Long Road North. Definitely on the list. I figured it would be because we had talked about it off the pod in our conversations uh, a few weeks ago when it first came out. It's who um, I really when we talked about Cult of Luna on our very first episode about why we both really like Cult of Luna. And guess what? It's still true. It's still true. They're still next to Neurosis, probably my favorite metal yeah. band um, because they have such a distinctive sound that while their songwriting evolves and, and it progresses and becomes much more intricate and contemplative, it's still, you know, a cult of Luna song when you hear it and Mariner, which was their last LP before the long road North, which was the one that they did with Julie Christmas had been such a revelation to me had kind of reoriented me toward the band after I had kind of taken, you know, a, a few years away from listening to them. And remains, again, like those Mitski albums, one of the best albums of the 2010s, period, end of story. 
Um, and I put their EP that came out late last year on my best of list. And The Long Road North elevates everything that they were doing on that EP to an even greater degree. It is maybe... It is as good as Mariner, I think. Um, even minus Julie Christmas's vocals. Um, and I need to listen to, some, to it some more because I've been listening to Mariner for years. But it m- might be better. But it's very good. Even if it's not better, it's extremely good. Yeah, I I would have a hard time, at least right now, pitting it against Mariner. In On the one hand, because Mariner has had sort of five and a half years to sort of percolate and really sink its its hooks into me. And then on the other side, because uh, the Long Road North is is new and still kind of has that that shine to it, that polish. Uh, but I agree. You know, I know that I I had texted you uh, a few days before the album officially released. I had purchased the vinyl. It came early, so I got it a couple days before official release day. And managed to be in a situation where I could just put it on and sit back in a chair, close my eyes and not do or think about anything else. And it's not often that I can do that with music. And I just, you know, I remember turning over the first uh, disc and then putting on the second and then turning over the second disc and it finished and I just sat there and I felt a catharsis having gone through that experience because it is a long album, so it's it's a little demanding in that regards, but it was it is so epic and expansive. It feels huge. The production makes the album feel massive. And they again do this thing that nobody else except them and neurosis can do. And and in my opinion, at this stage in the game, they're even doing it better than Isis, who was kind of the other big one that people would hold up. But that push and pull, the crescendo and decrescendo that makes good post-metal so uh, just so appealing to me, uh, Long Road North just nails that. I mean, it is so good. It has these beautiful, contemplative, um, peaceful moments. And then I think this is one of their heaviest albums at moments as well. And it just it, it builds oh, yeah. in, in such a way that I just, I really did. I, I kind of felt almost drained after I listened to it the first time. And so, you know, kudos to them. Um, it, I was a little worried, you know, they, they just in case you missed it in 2019, they actually released a Dawn to fear, which was one of their, there's their full length in between Mariner and this one. So there's, there's a whole fantastic album of about 70 plus minutes of music for you in there. If you haven't heard that one, and then I don't know. I don't know that I have. I guess I should go check it out. It's really good. Not as good as Long Road North, but very, very good. So you've got that one in 2019. Then we had the EP, um, the Raging River, in you know last year in 2021, and then boom, they're right back here with Long Road North. And I was a little concerned with that much music in a relatively short amount of time were they going to really be able to kind of keep that, uh, that momentum that I felt they really had coming out of that collaboration with Julie Christmas on Mariner and no question, they hundred percent kept it, nailed it. And again, I'm with you. It could be their very best album, uh, which is saying a heck of a lot 
because I don't think Cult of Luna has a single bad album. They have some that are way better than others, but every single one of their albums, I am of the opinion, is worth listening to start to finish without skipping anything. And not a lot of bands you can say that of. And so I, I really give them, give them a big thumbs up for that one and love it. I think it's a fantastic album. Agreed. It's very good. I want to go listen to it right now, but we got a podcast to record. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm sitting here going, oh boy, it's been too long since I listened to it as well. So I think I know what I'll be listening to in surgery tomorrow. <laughs> there you go. Well, let me go ahead and throw one out. I know I just kind of talked about that one, uh, but I'm going to throw out one that's oh, kind of a, a shorter one, uh, but worth mentioning because while I may not listen to these guys as much as I used to, I really dig what they're doing. And that is the band Makina. Uh, Makina was someone I stumbled across them on Bandcamp years ago with, God, I don't remember what release, what year their release was, but for a little while they were putting out an album every January 1st. And so it was kind of an exciting thing where, you know, you just knew, all right, new Makina album, January 1st, let's see what it's going to be. They're an interesting mix of sort of progressive, technical death metal. They're moving away. Like this most recent album, um, Venator, has far fewer harsh vocals on it and a lot more clean vocals. There is a little bit of, in the style of Arion, a kind of slightly up its own backside um, science fiction story that connects all of the different albums. But they really are they do a really, really nice job at this symphonic, melodic, progressive, at times kind of technical death metal thing that, you know, even if I don't love every album of theirs and I don't listen to it a ton, when they put out a new album, I'm going to buy it as soon as it comes out on January 1st. They've taken a break a little bit and haven't done every year for the last few years, which I think has actually made the music a little bit stronger. I think they recognized Sometimes perhaps trying to stick to that schedule didn't do them any favors. Um, but it, it's a fun album. It's, it's not my favorite of theirs. It's not something that I've gone back to a ton this year, but I definitely listened to it quite a bit when it very first came out. Uh, and I think that it's, it's worth listening to. I just love the conceit of putting out an album on January 1st every year. That's great. You know, they did it and they did it for a number of years and they're still sticking with it and actually kind of surprised me because I wasn't expecting it. And then all of a sudden I got the email from uh, Bandcamp on January 1st saying, Hey, Makina just released a new album. And I was like, Whoa, wait a second. And, and went and snagged it. And it's, it's fun again, not my favorite. It's not going to make my end of year list, uh, but worth talking about because I like what these guys are trying. Nice. Well, another one that I want to mention is uh, I'm going to stick to the rock and metal area for now with my second one I will mention, um, which was a total surprise to me because this band hasn't had an album come out since 2002. Ooh. And that is Stabbing Westward. Did you know Stabbing Westward was back? I had no idea. Stabbing Westward is back with an album called Chasing Ghost. And do you know what it sounds like? Like it's 1998 wow. again. It sounds like it's 2001 and you're booting up Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines for the very first time on your little uh, P Pentium 75 computer praying that it will run. It will not. But that's what it feels <laughs> like. It feels like I am booting up vampire the masquerade for the very first time in 2001 and i'm ready to hear some industrial rock 
Rock. And uh, it was so much fun. It was so much fun to sit down and listen to a brand new Stabbing West. That's awesome. I had no idea. Yeah, you should go check it out. I really enjoyed Stabbing Westward when I was younger. Uh, I really liked industrial music. Uh, I was a big Nine Inch Nails fan. I still like Nine Inch Nails. Who am I kidding? But I don't listen to them to them as often these days because Trent Reznor's too busy off making weird ambient soundtracks for bad movies. <laughs> but uh, they're not all bad, but most of them are bad. Any movie written by Aaron Sorkin is going to be bad. Sorry, The Social Network. David Fincher can't save an Aaron Sorkin script. Uh, and that's a fact. <laughs> uh, but but Stabbing Westward is one of those bands that I just loved when I was younger. I just really, uh, I remember buying, uh, their album that had, what do I have to do on it years and years ago? Uh, uh, darkest days. It was such a good album. I loved that album so much. I probably still have it on CD somewhere in this house. And, uh, so to hear them again, a few weeks ago it came out on March 18th and I was just like, are you kidding me? Uh, but it's very good. It's very, very fun to listen to. And they haven't, they still sound like some bands come back and you're like, you shouldn't have yeah. come back. Like as much as it hurts my soul to say, ABBA put out a new album late last year and it's garbage. <laughs> and like ABBA's stuff in the seventies is some of my favorite seventies music out there. I love abba so much and then they put out this new stuff in 2021 that sounded like it should have come out in 1992 Mm. and maybe if it came out in 1992 i would excuse it for being like this but it is 2021 ladies and gentlemen it needs to be better than this and it was not uh and so thankfully that is not what we got with stabbing westward we got hey do you remember what we sounded like in the 90s here's more of that and it's good so i was really happy with that Very cool. I will definitely have to check that out. Uh, So my next album that I'm going to talk about, again, sort of falls into the... Now, this one is a little bit less like amorphous where I'm like, I I don't understand. This is a band that I should like, I should listen to way more than I do. Uh, And that band is Wilderun. And their most recent album, Epigone, um, came out to the very beginning. It was early January. I've been a fan of this band since their second album came out a number of years ago. And what they do is again, it's sort of that it's take older Opeth, but put in a lot more sort of folk, folk metal elements to it. And it's very progressive. A lot of really interesting things they do. And when I listen to parts of this album, I will really enjoy them, but it's a little long for me. And for some reason, the length of this and the length of some of their songs is off putting to me in a way that I don't fully understand because we just talked about cult of Luna and that's a long album and there's long songs on there, but they don't feel long in the way that some of the Wilderun songs feel. So this is one of these albums that I am determined to really understand and appreciate before the end of the year. We'll see if that actually happens. But on paper, these guys really are right up my alley and should be something that I just can't stop listening to. And while I've enjoyed parts of what I've heard, I don't think I've actually made it all the way through the album, start to finish in a single sitting. So I don't know. 
it's an interesting band that again, has all the elements that should make them something that really clicks with me. And there's no question that this is high quality music, but something about it has just been a little off putting. So I wanted to mention them because I, I, I really do. I, I love the concept of what they're doing and back before they got signed to, I think they're signed to century media now, but before they got signed, when they were independent, they were super cool. I think I'd on Bandcamp bought their first two albums on CD cause they were offering the CD and I, you know, I got the CD sent to me with a couple little handwritten post-it notes from the band that was like, you know, Hey Peter, thanks so much for supporting us, that kind of thing. Oh, and you know, those little things go a long way to making, making you kind of want to stick with a band. At least they do for me. And so I don't know. I, I still, I like them. I want to like this album more. I want to get into it more. And I'm, I'm hoping to before the year is up. So we'll see if we wrap back around to the latest from Wilderun uh, a little bit later this year. But Well, fingers crossed. Hopefully you'll catch the vision. And if not, that's okay. No big deal. It's not like there isn't a bajillion other things that it came It is true. Out. All right. What's your next one? All right. The next one I want to mention... Yeah, my next one I want to mention is the self-titled debut from a group called Wet Leg, which is a indie rock, Britpop type band. Um, and the way I would describe Wet Leg is I was talking to my uh, my uh, spouse Cassie before uh, this recording about this, and I was like, there's a lot of indie rock out there, and most of it is very bad. Most of it, you listen to it and you're like, this isn't very good. And if I look you up on Wikipedia, your parents are going to have blue. Have you ever heard that meme about never ask an indie artist why their parents have blue names on Wikipedia? (laughs) I have not. And it's because most indie artists, the only reason they're able to survive and get deals is because their parents are rich people who know people and they're not actually very good and their music isn't very good, but they get a lot of promotion because their parents know people and that's how they become best-selling artists. But every so often you'll find an indie rock band where you're like, I can't discernibly explain what is better about this, but something is working better about this than is working in most indie rock groups. And that is exactly what I feel about Wet Leg. It feels like you're listening to it and you're like, okay, this is like indie rock, but there's something about it that just like gets in your brain and works. Um, it's a very fun album. Uh, their lead sing- single is a, a song called Shays Long. And I love anytime anyone calls that piece of furniture by its actual name instead of a Chase Lounge. <laughs> Uh, it's long guys. It's L O N G U E not U G E. Uh, but anyway, the, they're very good. It's just, it's, it's got a good vibe to it. It's real short. You get in and out really quick. Um, but it just, and the other thing that's really interesting is they're a, they're technically a duo. They have some touring musicians and session musicians, but really it's these two women, Rian Teasdale and Hester Chambers. And you can almost immediately tell which of the two wrote the song when it starts, which I think is really interesting um, because they just have very different writing styles, even within the sphere of indie rock. Um, and I, and it feels kind of fun for that reason. It feels like early Tegan and Sarah, where you could definitely tell, Oh, this is a Tegan song or this is a Sarah uh-huh. song. Whereas nowadays they've, 
they've worked together long enough that their styles have really really blended um this you can definitely tell oh this is a rian song this is a hester song uh and it's just it just feels good it's poppy it's fun it's light it's gonna be fun summer listening excellent so my next album is from the band Dawn of Solace and Dawn of Solace was a band that kind of snuck up on me back in 2019, uh, with what was technically their second release. This band was a side project of another, uh, artist. Uh, I'm pretty sure he's from Finland and their first album actually came out in, I believe it was 2006. I hadn't ever really heard it or listened to it until uh, their second album waves came out and it actually might've been 2020 now that I'm thinking about it. Uh, anyway, waves was uh, this blend of uh, sort of similar to more recent, more modern catatonia in the really smooth vocals, really the, the vocal style, very approachable, very sort of friendly, but with just a little bit of kind of a Gothic sound to it, you know, making it just a little bit darker. Um, and, and musically it was, again, it's still metal, but it didn't feel real heavy. It wasn't metal that was hitting you over the head and their newest album flames of perdition that came out in January was very much in a similar vein. In fact, I think I might have read that, uh, most of these songs were written at the same time as the songs on their first album. Uh, you know, Catatonia is one of those bands that I, if I took a handful of their albums and picked a few songs here and there, I could compile one of the greatest albums of all time by cherry picking from, uh, you know, here and there from their last few albums, but they haven't been super consistent and their most recent album really kind of left me cold. It, it just didn't interest me that much. Same. Dawn of, Dawn of Solace kind of hits that catatonia vibe where I want something that rocks, but isn't really heavy, that still is melodic, that has, you know, kind of a sadder, uh, a little more morose feel to it. And so they really nail that in a way uh, that I enjoy a lot and kind of fills that a catatonia shaped hole in my heart that uh, has been there for the last couple albums where they just haven't quite clicked with me the way they, uh, they did on earlier albums. So uh, I highly recommend Dawn of Solace, Flames of Perdition, and really all three of their albums, even the one from 2006, it has a lot more harsh vocals of which there really are none on their most two, uh, their two most recent albums. And so it's a little bit of a different vibe, but uh, all three of them are good with these last two uh, wings and flames of perdition, just being excellent, excellent examples of if you want that kind of a little Gothic rock, a little bit of doom metal, but not too heavy, nothing that's going to hit you over the face and, and is on the surface fairly accessible, but has a nice amount of depth to it underneath to really dig in and listen to over and over again. Nice. That sounds, I, I do think it's interesting that their early work had harsher vocals and their newer work doesn't also like Catatonia, hopefully for better reasons than poor Catatonia's lead singer having to stop doing harsh vocals or he was going to lose his voice entirely, yeah. but no, they got a new lead singer been for the benefit of the band, the, the clean vocalist on the, they? well, no, sorry. Uh, Dawn of Solace did the, the clean vocals on oh. their two most recent albums were with a different person uh, who I think has a much better voice than the clean vocalist on their first album. Okay. And so I think that they recognized, Hey, he, he's, he's 
got a great voice. He's really strong. Let's just lean into that. And so it's been, like I say, both albums are great and worth checking out. Well, that's good to know. Good to hear. Um, okay. My next one is, uh, God don't make mistakes by Conway the machine. Have you ever heard of Conway the machine? Not, but I dig the name. He is a rap. He's a great name. He's a rapper um, from Buffalo, so he's got East Coast style, um, but like Rust Belt East Coast style rap. Um, and God don't makes mis- God don't make mistakes is his second album, uh, and it's just really tight. Um, it I don't even know how to explain it. Um, it deals with a lot of like. You got you kind of got two things when you have a rap album. And this is like traditional rap. You have one of two things that happens. It is either an album about their sexual proclivities okay. or an album about how hard their life has been. And this is the okay. latter. Um to its benefit usually. Um there are some of those albums about how crazy one's sex life is can be very fun. Megan Thee Stallion is one of the greatest rappers to ever live. And Fever was an entire album about how good she is at sex. Um, <laughs> I'll to take your word for it because I, I, I recognize the name of that artist, but I don't think I recognize anything by them. She's incredible. She's incredible. Um, and Fever is one of the best debut rap albums ever made. Um, but again, the whole album is about how good she is at sex, essentially, and how much she wants to do it. Um, that's not what Conway's music is like. Uh, and I think to its benefit, um, it deals with a lot of feelings and anxieties of growing up in Buffalo and trying to like become a rap star and dealing with all that sort of stuff. Um, and it's just really impressive. It it has a really good ear for beats. It has very good beats. Um, and which is, you know, the most important thing when it comes to a rap album, because you can always just stop paying attention to whatever words are being sure. said. But if the beat is bad, then I'm not going to listen to it anymore. Um, and it's just, it's a very solid, it's very technical. It, it's uh, fun to listen to. Um I just really liked it. It's it's a solid, solid piece of of uh, hip hop. Uh, easily the best hip hop I've heard so far this year. Um, which it's been a little light so far, um, but I really am enjoying it, and I'm really excited. Especially as again, Conway the Machine is a younger artist. This is only his second album. I liked From King to a God, which was his first album, but not nearly as much as I like this new one. Um, so I'm definitely excited to see where he goes in the future and as he grows as an artist. Um, moving forward because uh, this one just had some real great real great stuff on it excellent excellent definitely not something that i listen to uh very much but you know good to know that there's good stuff out there so my all right yes. now you have to follow this up with like some really weird death metal thing because i just talked about hip-hop so please give me something the weirdest thing on your list the weirdest thing on my list well, let's go with, and it's really not that weird, um, but I'm going to go ahead and throw out the uh, the third album, second full-length album uh, by the band Hath. And Hath is cool uh, if you're a nerd because all of their albums thus far are sort of based off of uh, the Dark Souls mythology. So um, nerdy in that we've got 
blackened death metal that is incredibly heavy, uh, that is all sort of themed off of uh, this series of video games that has, you know, quite a hardcore following. Um, I loved their first, uh, their first full length and their very first album, their EP hive, they reissued and remastered a couple years ago as well. And I love both of them. And I go back to them often when I just need something that is, that is heavy, that is abrasive, that is, um, again, it, it's definitely death metal, but almost with just that little bit of almost even a, a, a little harsher edge by just adding that kind of blackened uh, bit to it. And this, uh, this newest one, all that was promised is, uh, just as good and perhaps even better than the first two in that there's a definite maturation that has happened to the band. They've, they're progressing. They're kind of coming more into their own where it feels like there's a stronger sense of identity here. And so I am a huge fan uh, and really enjoyed, was looking forward to this album and it did not disappoint at all. Uh, so I, I don't know if it's weird, uh, but I'll follow up your, your rap album with some black and death metal bla- based on the uh, Dark Souls uh, series of video games. <laughs> well, that's fun. Who doesn't, who doesn't want to listen to some black and dark metal about Dark Souls? I mean, I know I'm a fan, like I said, so I, I don't know why anyone wouldn't be. That's very fair. What else you got for us? We're going to swing it back totally the other direction again with another sophomore album. Lots of sophomore albums making this list, apparently. Orville Peck just put out a new album uh, just actually last week. Uh, It's called Bronco, and it's great. Uh, Are you familiar with Orville Peck at all? I am not. I cannot say that I am. Um, He is a country music artist. Um, but not, not country in the vein of like modern rock okay. country. Um, country more in the vein of older style country or more like alt country type stuff. Like kind of a blend of like, say, you know, like early Garth Brooks or you know mid-period kenny rogers but with like a side of a more like alternative or indie production that you'll get from like a casey musgraves um but orville peck does country music it's very good he is a very weird character as a human um he wears a fringed mask in public and has never shown his Hmm. face in public nobody knows and it's a pseudonym so nobody knows exactly who orville peck is or what he looks like because he wears basically like a domino mask that has fringe on the bottom of it okay um and he's gay and all of his music is extremely uh, like it's this is clearly a gay person writing music about being gay and like being a man who loves other men and not shying away from that and making them more universal, which is a thing that they could have very easily, that he could have very easily done in his music. Um, but like his music is so clearly rooted in his queer identity. Um, and I think that that is, that makes it a much stronger work. Um, but it's, I don't know. It's just, it's got a really good vibe to it. It's really easy listening. It's very, uh, you know, it's, he's got, a really 
smooth voice is the best way I would describe Orville Peck's voice. Um, and I just, I just really like it. I'm really impressed by this uh, sophomore effort. I enjoyed his first album, Pony, but Bronco, which is this new album, it, it builds on a lot of the stuff that he was doing with Pony um, and, and tightens it up and is just a more mature, full uh, effort as an artist. So I am really enjoying it so far. Again, it just came out last week, so I haven't listened to it a ton, but I have really, really enjoyed it so far. Very nice. So for my next pick, I'm going to go with uh, the band Ard. Now, I don't think the D, I don't know if the D is is a D. It's got a funny little thing in it, but I'm just going to say Ard, A-R-D. They are from uh, Northumbria in the UK, and it's predominantly a one-person project. The main guy behind it, he's a member of another English band, Winter Phyleth. I love Winter Phyleth. They're sort of... Uh, they're black metal, but again, instead of, and, and one of the fascinating things about where black metal has gone these days is while it started as, you know, corpse paint, church burning, um, it has really turned into something that has a lot of, uh, of expression in it for, for where people are from almost more so than any other subgenre of metal right now. You've got things like, you know, Agaloc, which was Pacific Northwest black metal. And there was a very unique sound and feel to their music before they, they broke up. Uh, you have Falls of Raros, which is from Maine. And so you've got this very New England feel to their style of black metal. You have Winterphyleth, who again are from, uh, are from England. And, and again, there's just a different sense to it. You've got the band Saor, S-A-O-R. I don't know exactly how to say it. Again, one man project, but he's from Scotland. And there's elements of, of Scottish Highland music in this black metal. And so it, it's become this thing that really allows for a lot of sort of local regional uh, expression in music more so than a lot of other types of metal these days. Well, the, this is not black metal. This is hundred percent clean vocals, very massive, epic doom metal. And it's based off of a lot of a, a story created from a lot of religious relics that were left in the Northumbrian part of, of the country, uh, back from the, you know, the, the late, um, seventh century. And so it's this kind of fascinating album of, again, really epic, epic sounding doom metal that has these ties that as I listen to it, you just kind of picture yourself up in, you know, what I've seen is sort of the, the, the English moors or something like that, you know, these, these rolling green Hills and there's mist covering it. And it just evokes this response. Uh, I didn't really know what to expect it was one of these albums that I found out about because I've purchased stuff from winter Phyleth and, and have all of their music. I got a thing saying, Hey, a member of our band's got this side thing going. And I, I went and I started listening to it and it just, it, it grabbed me in a way that I thought, Ooh, this is definitely something I want to hear more of. And so I have really, really enjoyed this album and uh, love this just epic, melodic, but kind of somber and really heavy doom metal feel that this music has. Uh, it is it is so far one of my favorites of the year. 
Nice. That sounds really cool. And I like that, like, sense of place that has become such a thing in black and gray metal. Um, like you said, I it, it builds, um, like, a feeling, like, that regionality is is present in the work and i think that helps make the work what it is i love that in certain genres you know i love when that happens you know in like southern style metal like you know your bands like baroness and mastodon and those kind of bands kylesa that have that like very strong regional flavor to them um Speaking of which, talking about regional flavor of metal bands, this is just a thing that popped into my brain. I haven't listened to it yet. Have you heard of the video game Norco that just came out last week? Yes. Getting really good reviews, supposed to be a really cool kind of magical realism adventure game about what it's like being Kentucky Route Zero, but for Louisiana, Uh basically. I don't know if you ever played Kentucky Route Zero. Apparently, there is a whole metal band that they made an album for this video game because it's referenced in the video game multiple times. And I was just like, okay. And it like is a very much like a Southern metal style metal album that I haven't had a chance to listen to yet. I want to play the game first, but I just thought that was really interesting that that is the, the like trajectory that this, this kind of indie video game would do is like, we want to create this, have this album that, that, evokes what we're looking for in the rest of the game i'll have to check it out have you heard it yet the band is thou i adore thou i own everything that thou has ever released they have done if you want to hear some filthy filthy songs go listen to thou they have an album of covers and um so there was a a, a company did, uh, they called it Dirt Redux. And so it's the Alice in Chains classic album, Dirt. Each song covered by a different band. Thou contributed on that. They have one song on there that is just, uh, I think it was Them Bones is the one they did. And it is, oh my gosh, it is mm-hmm. filthy. Uh, they have a cover album called Blessings of the Highest Order. Uh, on there are a couple uh, Nirvana covers. Territorial Pissings is covered by them. Uh, In Bloom is covered by them. Uh, it, it is, Thou is, is fantastic. Take some heavy doom metal and then stick it in the Louisiana swamp until it is fetid and rotten and just filthy. And that is Thou. They're wonderful. Hell yeah. Uh, they did, uh, Emma Ruth Rundle and thou did a collaboration, uh, back in 2020, may our chambers be full. And then there was a second, uh, the helm of sorrow, which was kind of some bonus tracks off of that. And it is marvelous nice. where you get Emma Ruth Rundle's, you know, really kind of restrained, but, but lovely vocals. And then just the guitar and the just it's not shrieks it's not rasps it's not growls but just this rotten vocal that that the that thou brings to the table is uh, fantastic absolutely wonderful i love them nice well i'm gonna have to check them out because i just love the idea of them being a part of this game that sounds like it is also going to be so up my alley um, and that music sounds like really up my alley too. like that. 
I'm a sludge metal kid. I'm not I'm not a big death and black metal person. I am a sludge and doom and post metal kind of person. And I like it nice and dirty. And I've been really impressed with Emma Ruth Rundle's stuff. So I'm going to definitely have to check them out. Oh, it is. Their collaboration albums are marvelous. Again, Thou is fantastic. In fact, uh, maybe it was, let's see, it's Wednesday. I think Monday night, I just, I had to listen to the track, uh, the Thou song off of, um, uh, I want to say, I'm trying to remember which album it is. I think it's off Heathen. Yep, it was off their uh, 2014 release, Heathen. And the last track on there is 11 minutes long, almost 12 minutes long, and it is titled Ode to Physical Pain. And it is delightful in all of the filthy, awful, sludgy ways that only sludge metal can make you um, feel like you've had the shit just beat right out of you and that you still need to take a bath afterwards and then a shower after the bath and then a bath after the shower to finally try and get clean. Uh, it's, uh, it's, oh, Thou has many, many albums and uh, I think you are going to find uh, a wealth of uh, sludgy goodness there just to dive into. Hell yeah. I'm looking at their Wikipedia page and they often espouse anarchist views. You mean there's a Southern rock sludge metal band that does this anarchists? <laughs> there you go. You I literally, make your day. you literally could not appeal to me any more than what I just heard. So <laughs> I'm going to have to, I don't want to go listen to cult of Luna as soon as we're done recording anymore. I want to go listen to this band. Thou. Yes. Either. Like I say, he, the heathen is absolutely fantastic. Uh, the other one, the two that really got me into them were both Heathen and Magus. Um, again, they have a ton of other stuff. I I do absolutely love their collaborations with Emma Ruth Rundle. Those two are fantastic as well. So I'm going to piggyback off this conversation because I want to throw this one band in because they are also Louisiana slash New Orleans based. And they are also sludge. In fact, they're one of kind of the original sludge bands and that is crowbar have you ever listened to crowbar Braden? years ago i am familiar with them but it has been a long time since i've listened to crowbar so they had a new album come out this year zero and below and it is classic crowbar it is everything that you expect from crowbar it is nothing more than what you expect from crowbar but it is also nothing less it is it is heavy it is again it's just got that there, the lead vocalist, and I'm blanking on his name. I think it might be Kurt Widenstein, uh, but his vocals are so raspy, so harsh, without ever actually being a growl or a fry scream, scream or anything like that. It's just like this guy has been smoking cigarettes, drinking whiskey, and gargling with broken glass, and that's what you get. Um, <laughs> nice. And. It's a great album. Uh, Crowbar is is super reliable. I don't think they have anything that I would say is bad. Uh, this new one, it doesn't break any new ground. It doesn't do anything you don't expect from Crowbar, but it takes Crowbar's sludgy, again, just sort of, you just feel sweaty listening to it. You just feel like you're sweaty yeah. and there's mosquitoes circling around you and, and you're just going to get bit and you're going to like it. And uh that's what thou does. And that's what crowbar does. And crowbar has been doing it for, for a long time. And they do it really, really well on zero and below. Very cool. 
All right, I have two. I have two more things to mention. So, I will do my penultimate one is uh, an album that just came out from K Tempest. Um, it is an album called "The Line Is a Curve." Um, K Tempest is a spoken word performer and poet. Um, okay. And so the line between spoken word poetry and rap is very fine already. Um, and once you put some beats under it or some music under it, then spoken word poetry or like beat poetry is really just rap at that point. Right. Yep. So that's kind of what K Tempest does. They are, um, doing some really kind of cool spacey ambient background sound um and then performing this spoken word poetry rap over the top of it um and that's what they've done on all of their previous albums i was really impressed with their 2019 album the book of traps and lessons so i was really excited when i heard that they had a new album coming out um and it came out a couple of weeks ago and i've been really really loving listening to it um they just have a really deft hand for for lyricism for finding melody in the sentences that they put together and the ways that they structure the phraseology and all that kind of stuff it's just very it's very well constructed from a poetic standpoint these are lines that lilt and have tone and balance to them uh and they k performs it in a very you know kind of almost sort of straightforward style it doesn't have the bravado um but it also is not like you know trying to be monotone it has just a very abrupt straightforward style to the way that they they rap essentially um and this is a very weird album i'll i will gladly say this is probably the strangest album on my list um extremely niche but i'm just really impressed with them um and what they're they're doing uh so obviously it's not for everyone but boy is it for me cool very nice. Well, I'm going to run through a few cause I have more than two left. So I'm going to try and get through some of these quick and then kind of hit my last few big ones. Um, at the end, uh, did you know that Arian Lucasen's star one had a new album come out this year? Uh, I have not listened to anything from that dude in a long time. So no, <laughs> I still like it. I still like most of his stuff. Although I will say the last album to carry the Arian name. Yeah. I, it felt disconnected from the larger Aryan universe and didn't quite click for me, but I still like what he does. I love his over the top rock opera sensibilities and star one is fun. It's another one of those same conceit as the last. Every song is based off of some, in many cases, a little bit of a cheesy science fiction movie, uh, but it is, it is good. It has the standard sort of Aryan Lucas epic feel to it. Uh, the, plethora, uh, the whole bevy of different vocalists that he has on there always keeps it at least to some degree entertaining for me because you always wonder who's going to come in next and their vocal performances. He does a wonderful job of coaxing, uh, great performances out of great singers. And this is no different. Definitely worth listening to if you're into, uh, Arian's stick, uh, shtick, but I mean, it, it isn't 
it isn't anything different than what you expect from a star one album. Um, okay. I'm going to go ahead and mention, uh, the band Persephone, uh, Persephone's newest album, Metanoia is excellent. I first became familiar with Persephone a number of years ago with their album, Spiritual Migration. And I remember when I first heard Spiritual Migration, I thought to myself, oh, this is what Dream Theater could sound like if they weren't such a bunch of self-congratulatory winkers and they didn't have a terrible <laughs> lead vocalist. <laughs> so, so basically they'd have to change their entire identity. But there was something about it that just reminded me of earlier Dream Theater in that progressive, but pretty technical without bordering all the way up into, you know, kind of technical death metal, which I always think it's funny when you see something with the members of dream theater and they seem to be like, Oh my gosh, we are so technically good. And I just kind of go, man, I know like a, at least a dozen tech death bands who just bury you in terms of raw skill. Oh yeah. Same with like every math rock band in the history of math rock. Oh heck yeah. So, you know, anyway, this isn't about all the different reasons why I can't stand dream theater anymore, but this is about Persephone. And, uh, again, it is a great album. It is, it is melodic. It is heavy. It has some guest vocals from Anar. I'm blinking on his last name, the lead singer of Leprous, uh, which was interesting because I just saw Leprous in concert a week and a half ago or so. So when all of a sudden I was listening to Metanoia again, I was like, wait a second, why is Anar on this? This isn't a Leprous album. And then I thought, oh, that's right. He did some guest vocals for them. Uh, the band is from Andorra. And so I don't know many other metal bands from Andorra, but uh, they've got a number of albums under their belt and they are good. And they are just, I, I don't know if I could say this is, it's not their best album, but it is a nice progression, a nice maturation and a sign that it is a band with a strong identity who uh, continue to make great progressive metal with some harsh vocals. I don't know that I go all the way to call it death metal because it is far more kind of intricate, melodic and progressive than we generally expect from death metal. Uh, but they're great. Uh, and Metanoia is a fantastic album. I'm going to throw one other out here and then I'll wrap up my others, uh, in my final, uh, little bit. And that is the band grand harvest. Grand harvest is, uh, kind of came out of nowhere. I read a review and they were talking about some kind of death doom and, I like death doom a lot. I like that combination of, you know, doom metal, really kind of heavy, epic sounding, a little slower, and then add in some of those death metal elements. Uh, Grand Harvest is from Sweden and it is their album. Consumatum Est is, uh, it is heavy. It is dark. It is powerful. It is a little bit ugly in all the ways that, you want a good kind of death doom album to be a little ugly. Uh, and this is one that the first time I listened to it, as soon as it was over, I just started it right back up and said, Oh, I definitely need more of this. And, uh, it's a great album that I have really, really enjoyed, uh, in the last few weeks since it came out. Nice. All right. So my last one, I saved it for last because it's the one I have definitely listened to the most that came out this year, which kind of surprised me. Uh, to be perfectly honest, uh, I didn't expect to like this album as much as I have, but that is the new album from The Weeknd. Okay. Dawn FM. 
Uh, I have never been that big of a fan of The Weeknd. Um, I really enjoyed his first album that came out back in 2011. Uh, I guess it was technically, I think it was an EP. Uh, but I really enjoyed Thursday, which came out back in 2011. I thought it was very good. Um, I really enjoyed what he was doing there, but I, it just kind of fell apart. Um, as things went on, I didn't care for, you know, his first LP Kissland really did not do it for me. And I really hadn't liked any of his stuff until Don FM came out. And I think the reason why Don FM works for me so much is it is, it's a concept album in the way that I like concept albums nowadays, which is not overwrought lyrics that all connect to each other, but like a combined essence and vibe of the thing. Um, and it is one that I have had a few, I've heard a few albums over the years do this conceit, and I've always found this conceit to be really, um, really uh, fruitful for me. And that is the conceit that you are listening to the radio. And so there are DJ breaks where they like talk to you as the listener and, and uh, you know, space in between the songs. And there's a logo or not a logo, a jingle for the, the radio station, Dawn FM that you are supposedly listening to. Um, but this is specifically the radio station you listen to in purgatory before you <laughs> okay. go on to your next life. And so like the DJ will say like kind of weird menacing things sometimes while in that, like in that really cool listening DJ voice. <laughs> um, and it's just, it works really, really well. Like it is this, meditation on existentialism while combining with this feel of like early 90s synth pop um and early 90s dance pop it's definitely like it has that feel that this album should have come out in 1992 but it wasn't ready we weren't ready for this 30 years ago um and it just it it spins really well it is just good listening basically from start to finish um it, it feels like his vocals are tighter than they've ever been um it's just a really punchy album and it's i don't know i've just i've listened to it a lot since it came out uh and i'm really impressed with it um and it definitely has that you know late night 80s early 90s new wave funky feel to it and i just I don't know. I'm very impressed by it. And I'm now, and, and I thought to myself, oh, maybe it's time to go back and listen to his earlier stuff. See if I just was missing the boat. Au contraire, mon frere. I was not just missing the boat. They're not as good. This <laughs> album is, there is something special about Don FM that he did not capture on his previous work. Okay. Uh, and it's really got me excited to see what is, what is the weekend going to do in the future? Nice. Excellent. Well, I'm going to go ahead and wrap it up again. Like I say, I have a few more to talk about, so I'll try and make it quick. First, we're going to tackle, um, you know, African-American spiritual black metal. And I'm talking about zeal and ardor. I don't know if you've listened to much zeal and ardor. Uh, the, the mastermind behind the band is actually, I believe Swiss, uh, but he, he is, a uh, he, he is black and, 
Uh, he writes these songs that one moment sound like a, a Southern American black gospel spiritual song. And then it just hits you with this filthy black metal. And I think I remember reading something when he wrote the very first Zeal and Ardor album, Devil is Fine. He wrote it kind of with the idea of, well, what if the slaves in the Southern US, instead of praying to God, were singing and praying to Satan? What would it sound like? And that's kind of what he came up with. And that's the dopest thing I've heard of all day. This most recent album, Zeal and Ardor, it's their self titled album. It is, I think, the songs are the punchiest, the most, the, the heaviest, the most, you know, again, just there is a power to some of these and there is an anger and there is a, a resentment at the racism that continues to exist in our world. And it is breathtaking. It is a powerful, powerful album and one that I highly recommend. If you haven't heard it, I also recommend their EP that came out a year or two ago, uh, Wake of a Nation, I think was the title of it. It is incredibly powerful. Also, uh, it is difficult to listen to in that there are songs on that that are literally, um, the lyrics of the song are things that uh, black people who are being uh abused, uh, awful, having awful things done to them by the police. It is direct quotes from these people and it is difficult to listen to, and it should be difficult to listen to. And we should listen to it so that especially those of us who are in such positions of privilege, like I recognize I am at least try to understand the absolute shit that people have been put through, uh, in this country that we, we, often talk about how wonderful and how great it is. And uh, it is ugly in the way it needs to be ugly to make you uncomfortable. So you go, Oh, I have been ignorant for too long. And I love anything that will challenge me that way. And uh, zeal and ardor is, is challenging. And their most recent album, again, it is brilliant. You should listen to it. If you have not, it is excellent. I mean, it sounds like it. I'm definitely going to have to check that out. That sounds yeah. amazing. It really is. It is fantastic stuff. Um, so now we're going to go a little funeral doom for a couple albums. Uh, there is a band that I was not familiar with called Shape of Despair. Love the title. Uh, they've apparently been around for a number of years, but the first time I had heard of them was with their release that came out this year, Return to the Void. You know, some days I just really like funeral doom. I like it slow. I like it heavy. I like it to be bereft of any hope. Don't give me that happiness and hope in music. Make it dark, make it miserable and help us really understand and revel in what can sometimes uh, feel like, and just may possibly be the absolute futility of existence. And that's what funeral doom does for you. And shape of despair does it in a beautiful way. And it is a great album that I uh, actually only recently really got into and uh, it was good enough that I was like, mm, I've got to talk about it. Another funeral doom release uh, is by the band Wraith Storm. And this is their first album unseen and unfound. It is a single track. It is 37 and something minutes. Well, it's exactly 37 minutes long. It is uh, three people. It is Alicia Cordesco um, on bass 
Alicia has been, had previously, she had been the guitarist for the American power metal band Judicator. Uh, I believe she has since left the band, but that was kind of where she first uh, was playing. And uh, with a longtime friend of hers, Lux Edwards, who does the vocals, and then they have somebody on drums. And that's all it is. It's vocals, it's bass guitar, it's drums. You don't know that it's just bass guitar because Alicia does a really nice job of making it sound like an electric guitar and giving you layers to it in a similar way that Bellwitch does, which again, Bellwitch has no electric guitars. It's only bass and drums. And this is an interesting album in that the lyrics by Alicia are, they're very interesting to read. And they really kind of talk about her story as uh, a transgender person in America, in, in these modern times. And so she is a transgender person who has transitioned from male to female. And, uh, Lux Edwards is again, I don't know the full degree, but to some degree, you know, is, is either non-gender binary or has had a similar sort of journey. And so this really was an opportunity for them to express some of the, the journey that they have been through and the struggles that they have had. And it is, it is great, great album. I love it. I've been listening to it a ton uh, since it came out. And and technically I cheated because I think it did come out on April 1st. So technically it should have been second uh, quarter. But oh, I've I have listened to it enough that, and it, is, it, it has impacted me enough that I was like, mm, I, I don't want to wait three months to talk about it. I got to talk about it today. I had at least two that came out in April. So I think you're safe. Perfect. If it was before the pod, if it was before the pod, it counts. <laughs> Sounds good. All right. My last two, um, the Swedish band Glosson, G L O S O N. They are, I don't know that this is going to be my favorite sludge metal band album of the year, but their newest album, the rift is neck and neck with cult of Luna on the oh, wow. sludge uh, massive sort of uh, post-metal sludgy side of things. So I'm still leaning towards Cult of Luna as being my favorite of these two, but the rift is so good and so strong that it is definitely rivaling Cult of Luna for uh, my current favorite sludge album of uh, 2022. So it is, it is excellent. I cannot recommend it highly enough. <laughs> Sounds okay. like. And then to finish off in uh, with an album that surprises me still how much I how how enamored I am with this album. And that is the album Damnum by Allegion. And I know I mentioned them a few episodes ago when I was talking about um you know I think I'd mentioned they did a cover of Subdivisions and they've actually done a cover of Animate by Rush as well. And that was what got me into this band. Um and they've been for the last few years, I think 2016 was when I discovered them. You know, I've, I've really enjoyed them and their previous album, Apoptosis was good, but probably my least favorite of theirs. And so I didn't really know what to expect from their most recent and, uh, Damnum dropped and it is in my mind, unquestionably their best album ever. And I think what makes it so good is while all of their previous albums have kind of stuck to this science conceit, you know, that's been a, that's always been the theme of their music is, is science. And I mean, they've got songs titled Dyson sphere and 1.618, you know, the golden ratio and, um, 
all sorts of different, I mean, on apoptosis, they've got, you know, meiosis and interphase and telophase and all these different things. And so it's all science-based. It feels like they've had, they've had a few ch- band member changes. They got a new vocalist two albums ago. They got a new bassist an album ago. They got a new drummer for this album. And it feels like they took the time to really bring all five members of the band, because they've got two guitarists, the bass, the drummer, and then the vocalist, and bring them together in a way that made this finally a cohesive album. In a way that the others, I think, were predominantly written by Greg Burgess, who's the guitarist and kind of the main guy who's been behind the band the entire time. But this one feels like everybody brought something to the table in a way that they didn't have on previous albums. And then they went ahead and they said, you know what? We're going to abandon the science shtick and we're going to write about what, what means something to us. And that has taken this album again and just elevated it. I think I previously mentioned the song called home on this album, which is really the centerpiece of the album both the lead singer and the guitarist, uh, the lead guitarist had friends who committed suicide in a relatively short period of time and called home takes some of the lyrics are directly lifted from the letters and the notes that were left behind by these friends who committed suicide. And it is, it is powerful. It is, it is heavy in an emotional sense. And, and that song called home might do what old Opeth used to do as good, or in some cases better than old Opeth used to do with that blend of, of clean vocals, of the death metal vocals of more mellow passages to really heavy stuff. It is dynamic. It is, uh, there's just something about this album that has grabbed me in a way I didn't really expect after their previous. And right now is my favorite album of the year. I don't know if it'll last, but I, absolutely love this album by a legion. And as much as I love the band, I didn't expect to like this album as much as I do. And I'm really, really happy that it is so, so good. That's cool. I'm glad that they, uh, pulled it out that well. They really did. It is, uh, it it is excellent. And something that I keep coming back to, uh, over and over again, because it is so good because it is so enjoyable for me. So that's uh, that's my stuff. That's the music so far in 2022 with, again, that little cheat there of Wraith Storm coming in on the 1st of April, but too good not to talk about that I needed to throw that in there. There's uh, been some real winners so far this year. I'm very interested to see which of these ones we've mentioned today can make it through to the end of the year and which of them will regrettably be cast to the side. Yep, I am as well. Because I think, you know, looking at my list, like I'm looking at this going, man, they're going to have to be some really incredible things to come out for, for sure. Three, if not four of the things I talked about today to make it to the end of the year. Yeah. So it's, it's fun times. There's a lot of, a lot of people. I feel like, I don't know. I feel like 2020, 2021, we didn't get as much stuff. I think that people are starting to be like, it's time to stop being in the pandemic era and start working again. I don't know. Well, and you know, I almost wonder if some of these albums, uh, because bands couldn't really tour and stuff, you know, I get the feeling that some bands at least said, well, let's take that energy and let's put it into this 
into into our music into a new album and i almost feel like some That's of these good. albums have become stronger because there was a forced break from the touring and the performing in public and all that and gave people a chance to really go okay let's just put ourselves into this music I, that's a good theory i think that that might hold you know i yeah. think that there's something there so well thanks again to everybody for listening i did happen to check in itunes the other day and we have a couple reviews and they were five star so thank you so much to the people who did leave us a review and again prayer uh, hands welcome. emoji that's exactly right. And and we welcome more people to go ahead and leave us a review. And we hope that it's a five-star review. Uh, and please don't hesitate to send us an email. Uh, drop by uh, themiddleofculture.com and you'll be able to see all our episodes. And if you haven't subscribed, you can subscribe there or you can always just subscribe. We should show up in pretty much any podcast player that you're using. And uh, give us a listen, give us a subscription. And thanks again for listening and, and joining us on this musical journey today. Yeah, thanks everyone.